Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, guys, I thought it would be fun for you to open up your phones right now and to open up your photo album and, and tell our listeners what is the most recent photo that you took. Well, mine is not a photo. It's a video. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's, it's a video from my third grade daughter in a play, Aww. the first play she's ever been in. Okay. And it was Annie. So it's a video of th- this group of, of little kids singing, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, Can you which play is adorable. It? Oh, I don't. I, do I want to play? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about this. All right. Let's see. I got it here. So that is that. And she's just one of the kids in the chorus. So you can't like distinctly hear her voice, but I can hear her face is beaming. She was so happy doing this. So I like Clayton's summary review of that live performance. So that (laughs) is that. That's that. that. Nikki, a conversation that forces us to use our phones. I know. If you are newer to the podcast or don't know my opinion about phones and social media, I will update you. I have a love-hate relationship with my phone. I don't love it. I hate it. But I love the tools on it. So I don't like social media. We have a phone jail at my house if you pull out your phone at the table. So you asking us to pull out our phones on the podcast table. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. It's fighting against everything inside of me. But the most recent photo on my phone is a picture of my LED light remote control from my office. Because my eyesight has gotten bad enough that I'm the old guy. <laughs> I couldn't read all the details on the remote control, so I had to take a picture of it to, to blow it up a little We don't have magnifying glasses, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I am the old guy that can, that can not only uh, not read my LED remote control, but I'm also the old crotchety guy that hates social media. This question was so worth it. What, what are you? Uh, for me, so uh, it was a picture of, it's like a selfie. I was taking, taking a selfie, sending it to my friend Melissa because she had texted me and said, are you still feeling sickish? So I was kind of sinusy the other day. So I took a selfie with a thumbs up saying like, nope, I'm you here. Okay. And I'm prepping for Bible savvy. So that was the question. All right, Clayton. All right, we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We have been reading this for a couple weeks now. And uh, let me give a little context, okay? That's the first step in the comma method. The C stands for context. Uh, This is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. So he was an early leader in the Christian church, and he went around planting churches. And he had planted a church in the city of Corinth. He had actually spent uh, quite a bit of time in the city of Corinth. So these are people that he knows really well. And uh, probably about a, a year or so uh, in this town. And uh, he's been traveling around. So he kind of goes around the Roman Empire planting churches. And as he's traveling in other places, he gets word that things are not going well in Corinth. And so he writes a letter to address some of the issues that are going on here. And it's there's actually kind of a structure to the, the book of Corinthians. Uh, the first half is almost a laundry list of things that someone from Corinth who has kind of come through town where Paul is has said, uh, did you hear about this and this and this? It's like a list of problems that are happening. The second half 
is Paul responding to a letter that the Corinthians wrote saying, we've got some questions about things. Could you fill us in? So the first half sort of reads like dad coming home and saying, all right, let's have a talk. And he's correcting things. The second half is more like a, okay, you asked a good question. Let me, let me explain something you didn't understand. We are currently in the dad giving a scolding uh, part of the letter. Um, and you're going to see why it's going to be very, very obvious. One of the things that is helpful to do when you are reading a letter um, is to remember this is written to particular people. So it's a specific situation that Paul's addressing. He's not just saying, let me give you some general principles. He's saying, you've got a situation. I'm addressing that. Um, and you almost have to kind of, uh, imply what the situation was. You got to fill in some details. It's going to be fairly obvious in this one, um, but there may be times when you say, all right, what's going on that he's he's specifically addressing? Okay, Eric, read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Dealing with a case of incest. Oh my. Something okay. that I never thought I would say on this podcast. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans don't tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Don't even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. All right. This passage is, uh, there's a lot in here. So let's start with observation. Uh, what do you see in this? The first thing that I saw was the way uh, Paul contrasted the believers at Corinth with pagans. So I thought it was interesting that he said, like, there's a type of sexual immorality that even the pagans don't tolerate, and you are. So, like, smack in the face like it, that that that's a pretty harsh contrast but it's meant to be so yeah i think there's something interesting that happens when um people outside of the church outside of the christian faith can look at believers and say even we know that's wrong like you that's this is the, you know not that people outside are are flagrantly immoral like they have no compass but like uh when when people look at uh church leaders and they say hey you you shouldn't be doing that like that's a really 
um, that's a rough place for the church to end up when people on the outside can say, you're not even living up to your own standards or ours. <laughs> um, that's a big deal. Uh, one of the things that I notice here is um, kind of that middle paragraph there. It's It's got a whole bunch of weird imagery. Mm-hmm. It talks about uh, bread. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the little yeast, there's an unleavened batch of bread. And it's sort of like, what's going on here? Um, the key to understanding this, which is you're going to find in uh, footnotes in, in a good study Bible, um, is... In verse 7, it talks about Christ, our Passover lamb. So all of the imagery about yeast and bread and these sorts of things, it all is about Passover. So if you're unfamiliar with Passover, it was the celebration of when God rescued the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And what they did was they had a meal right before they left. And it was supposed to be a meal that was a very fast meal. So they made um, food that could be eaten, uh, prepared quickly, uh, and then eaten and, and left. And one of the things that they did is they prepared bread without yeast, because that would be a quicker thing. But also, that yeast sort of became a symbol of uh, purifying yourself, of saying, we want to be people who are set apart. And the yeast was almost a symbol of sin. And so they said, we're going to, um, and, and to this day, Jews who celebrate Passover will do this. They will go through their entire house. And they will eliminate all yeast products. They'll throw it all away. Um, and they will only eat um, what's called matzah, which is a type of bread without yeast at the meal. And um, it's a way of symbolizing we want to be a holy people. So when Paul is using this, he's going back to this imagery of saying, this is this is more than just like a ritual that people do once a year. Uh, this, is, this is the way we're supposed to live. If Jesus is our Passover lamb, he's the one who set us free, then we should be purified like that. We should get rid of the sin uh, that would infest us and be uh, unleavened is kind of the symbolism there. Yeah, and the and the point being, a little bit of yeast works through all of the dough. So if you tolerate a little bit, it's going to work its way through your fellowship. Is is the point being made here? Uh, uh, what jumped out to me first is just the general category of sexual immorality, and it jumped out to me because we are currently living in a culture where essentially we're telling each other there are no rules. There are no boundaries. What's good for one? If it's good for them, it's good for them. So just the fact that the Bible says there are things, there are ways that we can express our sexuality that were never meant to be. And they are outside of God's best for us. You can use the categories of right and wrong, but just the existence of the category. And then I find it funny when he says, uh, Actually, he starts with, it's actually reported. It's almost like, he's like, I I can't even believe my ears. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, which most people in our, that is one thing that most people in our culture would say, ew, you shouldn't do that. Just the category jumps out to me. Yeah. Well, and and Corinth was, a very sexually permissive place. So the culture around them, similar to our, our culture is, is a wash in sexual imagery and, and all sorts of things. Um, And it's, and it's infiltrating the church in that way. And I think the, the reality is a lot of us are in that same place where there's people who are compromising and coming up with justifications to say, say, I can do this. Um, like the passage even says like, and, and, and you're proud of this almost like you sort of figured out a way to say I'm free, I'm liberated. And that's a good thing, you know, that I'm able to do this thing. I think a lot of people in our society uh, have done the same thing. They've convinced themselves things are okay that aren't. Um, for me. So this, this goes back to, Earlier today, when I, I first read through the passage, um, I just read it like I, I read it, like in my mind, you know, to myself. Um, and then I read it out loud, and it completely changed uh, 
it, it just it just put more like you read it and you're like yeah that is gross that's weird but then you read it out loud and you slow down and like you did so great just reading the passage just like thinking of the tone that Paul had taking the time to read through it slowly really kind of makes all of the little nuances and pieces stand out um, to make it that much more powerful because I think like if if Paul was standing in a room or if somebody was reading this out loud it was going to have much it's gonna, it was going to have a different impression on people than other just people just setting their reading it in their living room to themselves. You know what I mean? I think that's something powerful when it comes up to reading God's Word. It's not just reading it out loud quietly to yourself, but actually speaking it out loud and trying to understand what people, what, what, what is it expressing? What's the emotion behind it? Eric, I know you normally bring a common tip of the week, and maybe there's one coming, but that seems like a good common tip of the week to me, where it's like... Well, here, hold on, hold on. You ready? Yeah, yeah. You ready? You do it. <laughs> All right, it's time for your comma tip of the week. Sometimes when reading the Bible, don't just read it in your head and read it to yourself. Read it out loud the way it would have been heard by the original hearer so that you can get the tone. And this has been your comma tip of the week brought to you by Nikki Lucas. And Clayton Keenan, you're the one who said it, bro. <laughs> there we go. He actually kind of kicked into my yeah. No, I my, totally did. Eric my, voice, my cadence. It's pretty, That's great. It's, it's pretty good. Another thing that jumps out to me is where Paul says, "As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment." Saying yeah. like, like you, you guys are, you guys are trying to figure out whether or not it's commendable or not, or you're not. You're in some ways you're boasting about it. Like, look how liberated we are. I've I've already passed judgment, y'all. And by the way, I'm the one that started your church. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I got to figure it out. What are you going to do about that? You know. And then it's connected to the logic of Paul, where he says, "I'm not I'm not judging people outside the church. The people the people who are not following Jesus, they're I'm not passing judgment on them. They're going to live the way they're going to live, but they're not claiming to be Christian. They're not claiming to follow the ways of God." So that's not that's not where I'm judging. I'm judging inside the church, inside the fellowship, which pushes against sometimes the, the Christian notion like, oh, well, why judge not lest ye be judged. You know, like we have this sense that nobody should be calling anything right or anything wrong or no one should be judging each other. And yeah, we shouldn't have an, a, a snotty, a holier than thou attitude, just be always judging other people. But judgment does belong in the church, not outside the church. I expe- I don't expect non-Christians to behave like Christians. I do expect Christians to behave like Christians, and we should be able to call that out in each other's lives. I find it really interesting. I, uh, you know, I observe among many Christians that we almost get it completely opposite. There's a lot of complaining about all oh, the culture this de- these days, and you see what's going on, and people looking around and saying, "Oh, I've you know, kind of shaking their head about things that are going on," and there's reason to be concerned about our culture but um a lot of talk about that but then a a real discomfort of anybody saying wait wait you're gonna you're gonna ask me a question about what i'm doing or call me out Uh, it's almost like we're tolerating on the inside and judging on the outside when it's when it's almost supposed to be the exact opposite it's so interesting so maybe we should take some advice from taylor swift players are gonna play (laughs) haters are gonna hate right just expect it but Christians, we should expect something different. She's that like, was amazing. <laughs> I didn't expect I that. Didn't that, expect wasn't, that wasn't what I thought was going to happen. Well, and I was even going to say, Paul goes even further, and he just he says, "Don't even eat with such people." 
Yeah. Like, what do we do with that? Don't even don't even be in their company, right? Um, but then you go, you go, well, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Like, he's not saying that about the people of the of this world, quote unquote. That's right. He actually And Jesus partied with sinners. That's right. He he's not saying he's saying that about the people who are in the fellowship. If you do that, it's almost as if you're approving of what they're doing, right? But do go and eat a meal with someone who doesn't know Jesus because maybe by you having that meal and having a conversation with them, uh, they'll understand something about your life that they hadn't before and maybe they'll come to know Jesus. So uh, that's just a very interesting contrast because I think there's a, people are like, you know, if if I'm a believer, well, I I don't have non-believer friends. I don't associate with people who aren't like me. That's the opposite of what Jesus asked us to do. I, I, I think the hard part for us is the the other side of saying someone who does claim to be a brother or sister we're, we're supposed to keep some distance there's gonna there's got to be uh, th- there's a verse here verse five it's very strong language hand this man over to satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved on the day of the lord and there's there's an idea there that there's a boundary between the community of god the church and the outside and if you're going to claim the name of Jesus, we've got to make it really clear when we recognize this is not of Jesus. And it's it's hard for us to, to do that, they're, they're, especially in a, a world where there's like churches up and down every street. So someone who's feeling like, well, this group of people called me out on my sin. Um, I'm just going to go drift to the next thing. And, uh, you know, no one's going to know what the, happened at the last church or what what about me. And so that's the part uh, where, where things get hard, where we actually don't keep each other accountable and we don't know how to uh, sort of keep uh, keep some boundaries on those things. What? Two. What two. Yo, two comma tips of the week because this text demands this comma tip of the week. Sometimes the force of what God is communicating hits us in a way that makes us uncomfortable, but we should expect it. In the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. If God can speak things into being, then his words have power. So when we read something in the Bible that has force and is uncomfortable, we must resist the temptation to explain it away, to soften it, to make it more palatable, to twist it until it requires nothing of us. If God speaking put the stars in place and fish in the sea, it certainly has the power to create change in our lives. Don't try to shape the Bible. Let the Bible shape you. And this has been your second comma tip of the week. That's great. Dang, that one was like a that was like a comma sermon of the week. That was that had some so umph the God who spoke the world into being stuff. Woo. Um, all right, let's let's talk about message here. Okay, this is where we take something we've seen and we say, can I sum up a principle or an idea uh, in a sentence or so uh, that that I can apply to my life? So, what message did you get? My message is, I should care enough about the soul of an individual and the soul of my church to do the hard thing when it's required. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Uh, mine was uh, to, not, to not be afraid to call something out in someone that I see. Um, not in someone that I see, meaning a brother and sister in Christ that I, that I know. Um, if there's an attitude or a behavior or something like that that I see going sideways, I should say something. Uh, my message is there are two equal and opposite errors, avoiding non-Christians 
and tolerating compromising Christians. So either you can repeat that again. Okay, so there are two equal and opposite errors: avoiding non-Christians and tolerating compromising Christians. And here, here's the interesting thing: Um, I feel like one is kind of the the conservative problem, and one is the liberal problem. Like to, to to get a little pointed, like in terms of our cultural spectrum. There is a side that's the conservative side that says, I don't want to have anything to do with something that I find distasteful or immoral or whatever. I'm not going to get close to people who are like that. So they, p- people will retreat into their shells of people who think like them and not be around non-Christians who think and act and behave differently and in ways that don't correspond with our morality or our, our way of, of Jesus. Um, but then there's the, the, the liberal side of the spectrum that says, I want to be so tolerant that I won't even call out other people who say we're all trying to follow the way of Christ together, and I won't. I don't. I don't want to be judgy. I'm gonna. You know. I'm gonna have some some wiggle room here for things that are clear. Um, obviously, there's room for differences of opinion on certain things, but certain things are so clear. And if we don't call it out because we want to be tolerant, we want to be loving, or so on. Um, both of those are errors. Both of those are mistakes. All right. So we are going to go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. This is where we talk to God about the things that we've been reading. We uh, prayerfully ponder the things that are here. And what I want to do is have a a little moment of reflection actually uh, about this idea of um, who we're close to and who we're tolerating and and so on. And so uh, this is kind of based on the message I just gave. Um, I want you to ponder, who are you avoiding that you should be getting close to? And who are you tolerating that you should be calling out. 45 seconds to ponder that question. All right, let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. What do we do with this? I have 13 meetings I need to schedule next week. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, my, my app, I'm actually, I mean, currently, before even coming into this podcast studio, I have experienced a few things over the last few days where I have been jockeying in my mind what's the right way to handle this how confrontational should i be uh how gentle should i be should i just let it go and this has been clarifying for me on who's who and what category are they in and when confrontation is appropriate and when tolerance is appropriate and so uh this has been without saying names or situations which would be completely inappropriate uh, my application is directly related to circumstances i'm currently navigating um, mine would be, well, I guess I kind of gave it away a little bit in my message, but it's to, well, two things. One is to know that God has placed people in my life to hold me accountable, and I have been placed in other people's lives to hold them accountable. Uh, and so it's being equally open to both, and so inviting people in to hold me accountable, and then me being willing to say, hey, I see this. 
can I just share you share with you what I see because I'm concerned? Yeah, uh, I, I my my message or my application is similar to Eric's. There there are particular situations where I think I got to have a hard conversation with people. Uh, what's interesting though, when I think about applying this uh, this particular passage, um, Paul's in an extreme situation at the moment. Like it's it's as far gone as it can get. Like the guy is sleeping with his mother in law. No one's calling him out on it. And in fact, some people are like, "Way to go, buddy!" and and so that's far down the line. And so in some ways, the application that I'm thinking of is don't ever let it get down that far. You know, like don't, don't, don't let it get down the line because the confrontation with this guy is going to be messy, right? Like there's no, there's no, nothing about the situation that the people of Corinth get out of it without something tense happening. But if you started way earlier, way before this guy was like, you know what I'm doing? Um, where it was little things, where it was temptation, where it was small compromises. Those are actually, um, those are actually really meaningful conversations, like meaningful conversations to say, hey, what's going on? Like you can approach it in a uh, gentler way earlier on, whereas the further it gets along, the more the more firm it ends up being. And so um, some of those things are things I say, I, all right, earlier on when I can still have this conversation and have it feel uh, more like I'm on your side, which you always are, even when you're confronting the guy too far gone, you're, it says so that his spirit may be saved, right? Like you're, it's for him. Um, but it's easier to convey that if you do it sooner rather than later. So that's the application. Do it sooner rather than later. My preacher brain just said, redirection is easier than correction. <laughs> that works. I love that. That works. That's good. Well, yeah. There's a, a preacher voice there. Yeah. 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 Well, there you have it. Thanks. Well, <laughs> should I just, should I just keep going with my. <laughs> All right, friends. Thanks for listening voice. this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. Mm. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible another Savvy passage. Reading Schedule. Now it's getting weird. In the meantime, if you're not following <laughs> along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com yeah, Bible to download Savvy. it to start reading Everybody. along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review <laughs> on whatever platform you're listening on. Email Enjoy us your questions it. or Apply suggestions it. at podcast.biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.